to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the farmhand, Yvonne Brandenburg. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's what, like, day three-ish of having goats and, like, being? Uh, Yeah, I mean sure yeah it's the start of start of day three technically yeah we got them on saturday which um if you guys joined us on well joined jordan (laughs) on saturday for our monthly ce sorry i did not make it i was in the middle of um receiving goats and making sure everything was ready for them um well, making sure things were as ready as possible for them because it definitely wasn't a thousand percent complete. Um, but yeah, it, 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 there, I'm noticing, thank goodness I've taken some fear free classes because they're herd animals. Um, so they're definitely skittish. And like mm-hmm. I, I met them one time, but that was like at home and in their normal environment. Um, you know, and now they arrived after a two and a half hour car drive that they've never done before. It was scary. Um, and it's a completely new environment. So they got here completely freaked out. I was like, couldn't we have given them gabapentin? (laughs) But I, I don't think goats can, I I have no idea. And then what the heck would the goat dose be for gabapentin i don't even want to think it also that. doesn't take it doesn't <laughs> seem to take as long for goats to adjust as like dogs and cats um yeah they're they're definitely like yesterday like they got there and they started looking around and like food is definitely their friend so there's been a lot of eating of hay and weeds and leaves off of trees and stuff which has been fine and um but yeah, I used some fear-free techniques. I just like sat in the the pen with them and mm-hmm. just let them get used to me. And then this morning, um, because I I want them ideally to be in the um, I keep wanting to call it the kennels, but it's not the kennels. I'm gonna call it the barn. I want them to be inside the goat pen, goat barn at night, mm-hmm. just because. Um, we do have large predators here <laughs> and I was like, please don't let the goats be snacks. Yeah. So eventually I want them to go inside, but for right now they're, they have access to inside, but they haven't gone inside yet. Cause there's like a little ramp and they've never done a ramp before. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Trust like me though. Thing. Like once they start feeling comfortable with their environment, they'll be like yeah. exploring all that stuff. Cause like, I think our goats took all of like, I think less than a week before they were like climbing on the fence when we would come out and like just actively seeking us out but we also did do like when we got them we still had work to do on the fences and stuff so we were in their pens a ton while like not messing with them but messing with the fence and I think that was really good also you know being the one that the hand that gives them food is 
super motivated. Yeah. <laughs> like my two, my two Nigerian dwarfs I've had for a couple of months now. And like, they're still pretty skittish, but you have like Nubian mixes. And if yours are like mine, like, I don't think it'll take very long. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, even today was better. Like they took some of the hay from my hand. So I think, um, I think they're already feeling more comfortable. It's just Mm -hmm. going slow. So yeah. And I just, I want to go spend time with them and kittens and I don't want to work. Yeah. It's have to. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know how often I like take breaks and just walk outside and (laughs) stand with my kids. (laughs) right oh my god yeah and then the kittens are adorable and they're doing crazy stuff and they're like sleeping on the big cat tree with the cat like it's they're getting they're getting cute too because they're i think they're six weeks old now yeah i don't even know yeah um quactavius and cyclops are doing well um (laughs) quactavius is learning that she is a duck so she has been oh hanging boy. out with the ducks way more. And then it's caused this like musical coops thing because like, uh, oh no, like last <laughs> night I was trying to get them all up. And like one of my other roosters went into the lodge and I was like, you don't belong there. Why are you in there? Cause then I couldn't figure out why Shorzy wasn't going in the lodge. I was like, Shorzy go up. Like, why aren't you going in the lodge? <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to get Shorzy up in the lodge. And then I recognized that Hawkeye was in the lodge. So then I was like, all right, Shorzy. I was like, I guess maybe go into big shanty. And, but then like, I know that Hey, Hey and Fabio don't really like Shorzy. So I was like, I was super nervous about putting him in big shanty and like, no, buts this is, is the only one cracking me up. <laughs> no, buts is the only one who goes in the manor. So like, he's the only male allowed in the manor. And, um, so then that confused Cyclops and Cutie because Cutie wanted, <laughs> Cutie is Quactavius. Cutie wanted to go with the ducks who go in the lodge and Cyclops was like, no, we live in Big Shanty. <laughs> and like, so it was like, it was a very confusing night for all the birds last night. And actually, I think I'm going to oh, yeah. up making Cyclops her own little like mini coop on the front porch because she is like, because she can't see well out of her right eye, she's like, super uncomfortable being around all the other birds except for QT because like anytime anybody walks by her like gently like brushes by her she screams and takes off running and like she will frequently like when we come outside she flies over the fence and lands on our shoulder and just like hangs out with us so we brought her is she a chicken yeah she's a chicken oh we brought her inside yesterday for a little while like just for a couple of hours to hang out and um she loved it and like did great so then this morning when I let everybody out of the pens and the coops and stuff she walked out of the pen with us and like tried to come back in the house and I was like oh I see what I started here so we we gotta work on making her her own little like she likes Quactavius but like otherwise she's like I don't feel comfortable around anybody else Uh, she'll I mean fear-free techniques for chickens apparently is a thing yeah but like she loves me too much like she seeks me out and will will, legit fly to me if i'm (laughs) if i go outside yeah well (laughs) just gotta get comfortable with everybody else now i know look at you trying to talk me into not having an inside chicken i think you should not have an inside chicken is that a thing do people have chickens in their house i mean people have ducks in their house but she'll probably she'll probably be a front yard front porch chicken not like an inside chicken got it (laughs) like just somewhere where she's a little bit more comfortable 
Oh my God. Yeah. The name of these buildings on my farm is great. (laughs) (laughs) The manor, the lodge and big shanty. Oh my God. I love it. um, The spot that's like their bar that they hang out at. It's got their food and water in it and they all like hang out under there. Oh my gosh. I'm dying. Yeah, we're we're still trying to figure out names for things because it's like, I don't know. Like we're so used to calling it the dog panel dog kennels that I'm like, but it's a goat pen barn thing now. So yeah, we're we're still working on it is a work in progress around here. Yeah, the names kind of just fell in place with how trashy some of our coops looked. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, oh my god. Coops. Anyway. Right? So kind of excited, some updates just really quick. Um, Jordan and I were kind of talking. She wants to go to San Antonio really bad. I I will be in San Antonio um, September. I get there on the 21st, but it's Southwest Vet um, Symposium. And I am lecturing on the 22nd, which I think is Friday and Saturday. I'm doing a lab, but I'm also doing the tech case reports, which I love doing tech case reports. I think they're awesome. Um, even if I don't help out with them, I, I just love watching them because I think there's so many cool things that people present for tech case reports. It's, it's always a lot of fun. And then, so that's September, October, we are in Austin. Both Is of us Austin? are actually in Austin. Yeah. So we're in Austin for the very first NAVC Hive um and that is is it vet tech week oh my gosh yeah oh god okay vet tech week yeah so we get in what sunday the 15th and we're there for most of the week we're doing a lecture together which is super exciting that we get to do a lecture at a conference together i'm so excited for that and i know we've got some uh listeners who will be there because they've already reached out um also the other conference, sorry, I forgot about this one. It's the week before or two weeks before the week, uh, or well, the weekend. So I think it's this October 7th, because I think it's just Saturday, is the Colorado Association of Certified Veterinary Technicians. Um, their uh, it's not a conference. It's like a symposium conference. Um, I'm super excited about that because Colorado is switching their mandatory uh credentialing to include ce and they're they're locking things down so i think this is i can't remember where the cutoff is but a lot of people are having to (laughs) get their ce in so i know that there's gonna be some people at that conference that have reached out to me which will be exciting please at any of these conferences where we are at please come say hi to us because I know it doesn't seem like it, but both Jordan and I are super introverts mm-hmm. and <laughs> we will not really reach out to people because, well, I don't, unless I know you, I am scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys got to make the first move. You got to like, just hit us up and be like, Which Hey, I'm going to be really here. Sad. Like I am socially awkward. You guys, I know it doesn't seem like it, but I swear to God we are. Um, so please say hi. Uh, and I will be forever grateful to have anyone to talk to because otherwise I'm just by myself. Like I've definitely done the, like at a conference, just like 
lonely in my room yeah yeah I've done that too um I will be so. at VMX as well in January I won't be speaking I'm actually moderating but uh oh, <laughs> like, fun. yeah I won't be speaking but I'll be there so that'll be fun too yeah I'm I know this sounds really like <laughs> sounds kind of petty um I am looking forward to new November and December this year because I have no nothing right now that I am traveling for other than my current position at my work. So I actually get to spend some time at home because whew, this summer, holy moly, I did it myself. I, I, did. I, I definitely did it myself. I've, and I've enjoyed meeting people at conferences and, and lecturing and stuff, but whew, I, I could use it for a little winter break. Right. Right. And then we start right back up in January. It's fine. <laughs> So that's what we've been up to farms and conferences pretty much <laughs> pretty yep. much so but let's get into the episode because this week we are this this week we're gonna start our endocrine series again I know you all have recommend or asked for more endocrine for a while right. and so we realized though that we never did like a back to basics endocrine episode so this is this is that this is back to basics endocrine just basic anatomy and physiology just kind of knowing what parts of the endocrine system are actually part of the endocrine system so um that's really funny because the endocrine system is how Jordan and I got together it is I know this is oh this is like <laughs> our first date all over again which is crazy because it's been four years I know Aww. I know so. Aw, Jordan, how cute. <laughs> come full this circle, is our back Yvonne. to basics, guys. <laughs> no. So um, <sighs> we're going to be kind of discussing the endocrine system and the parts that make it up and just briefly touch on how it works just because with every different disorder, there's something malfunction. There's something different malfunctioning. <laughs> right. But basically what the endocrine system is, it's a group of tissues. And this group of tissue is, is responsible for releasing hormones into circulation. Yvonne has like a really wonderful like PowerPoint slide about like endocrine versus exocrine. <laughs> that makes it super simple. But basically yep. endocrine means it's getting absorbed within the bloodstream. So it's inside. So these Endo hormones- into. Yep, are released into circulation. And what hormones do is they signal molecules that travel uh, to targets that are like somewhere else in the body and interact with receptors to um, then kind of determine what's next, right? The end the entire endocrine system is just full of feedback loops. That's all it is. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I remember in tech school hating the endocrine system, hating it because I didn't understand it. But then once you, kind of understand like it it just makes so much sense <laughs> like it's like oh yeah duh it's like need, it, like feedback like, loops just make sense right yeah like, like the endocrine system is like you know like the stop bar at a stoplight you know like a car's on it and then it's like okay now the light's got to turn green the car goes then there's no more cars and then the light turns red again and like you know it's just like well, I, here's like a real like this is how i understand it when we're talking about real life situation your thermostat in your house, mm. right? Like your brain is, your brain is the thermostat essentially, mm -hmm. right? It says I need the temperature or this hormone to be within this certain guideline, right? And if it goes below 70 degrees, 
heat I turn on the heater. Yeah. If I go above 78, then the cooling turns on. It's the same kind of idea is that, you know, the brain goes, wait, I need it to be, I need homeostasis, right? So I need it to be balanced. So that feedback loop. So if I see that there's not enough of that hormone circulating, I'm going to release the stimulating hormone. Mm-hmm. And then that goes to the, the area in the body that produces the hormone. Mm-hmm. And it says, oh, shoot, I need to produce something. And then it releases the hormone. And then the brain gets the hormones increasing in the blood supply. And it says, oh, we don't need to anymore. I'm going to turn that off. Right. So I turn off the releasing hormone that gets then the, the receptor site, that organ in the body mm-hmm. says, oh, no more hormone telling me to stimulate and produce things, I'm going to turn it off. So it's, it's really kind of, it's, it's pretty cool. I just, I just think it's really cool once you finally understand it and it yeah, is amazing. It is amazing how the body works. Yeah. And hormones are pretty great too, because like some hormones act on only one single tissue, right? Like right. just a single tissue, but then there's others that have effects on nearly every cell in the body which is wild yes. because it's like, yeah. it's still part of the endocrine system. And one, one part right. can do something very different than the other part. And so yeah. typically too, endocrine tissue is going to be ductless. Like it's going to be a ductless gland because it's endocrine. Exocrine tends to have ducts. Um, glands tend to secrete. Exocrine, anything tends to um, secrete. Is that right? Or exude. You yeah. can think of it that way. Exocrine yeah. is exuding through a duct it squishes out yeah yep versus Versus, endocrine you have the capillaries yep so they're going to secrete hormones within to the capillaries and that's going to permeate throughout the tissues and then endocrine glands are like also very richly supplied with blood in order to function properly they need to be versus uh like in the exocrine function of the body like it's not we don't need blood supply we don't (laughs) And then for hormones in particular, there's going to be three main chemical categories of hormones, and these all fall within the endocrine system, right? So the first one's going to be protein and peptide hormones, steroid hormone. Well, I'm sorry. The first one is protein and peptide hormones. Then we have steroid hormones, which we all know. Um, Technically, we all know protein and peptide, uh, polypeptide hormones, but you won't know until we talk about it a little bit more. Then I was like, oh, (laughs) you're like, oh yeah. And then the last one is going to be modified amino acids hormone. Um, And so an example of our protein and polypeptides hormones is going to include like our ACTH from our pituitary gland, insulin from the pancreas, uh, parathyroid hormone or PTH from the parathyroid glands. Those are all examples of protein and polypeptide. So there's cells that produce protein and polypeptide hormones, right? And so those cells, most of those cells are going to actually store large amounts of those, those proteins and polypeptide hormones. Um, and they're going to store those substances intracellularly. And what happens when we do that is that allows for like the body to have a quick response when there's increased amounts that are needed within circulation. So if there's a good storage of it, then the body can very quickly respond to these hormones and, and what needs to be produced. Um, generally, that makes sense. yeah. So protein and polypeptide hormones, though, if we think about it, we, I mean, we can, we know ACTH, insulin, PTH, right? These all have relatively short half-lives within the, bu- in, within the blood, meaning like minutes, like not like hours even. Like right. And so- I mean, that makes sense. Sense too, because you don't like 
it's all about homeostasis. You don't want those to be like long acting because then, you know, kind of think of like long acting insulin, right? Like you can't adjust it on the fly quickly. Well, no, which because is, like when you turn off that off switch, you're like, then yeah, if it were it to needs take a to couple turn of off. hours, like, <laughs> yeah, you could have a crisis. So really it does, bad. it really oh does God. need to be minutes. The yeah. second category is going to be our uh, steroid hormones. And those are going to be derivatives of cholesterol. Um, and so they include oh, wow. of the adrenal cortex, the testes, ovaries, um, and there's some relation with vitamin D as well. But um, unlike our protein and polypeptides, hormone uh, steroid hormones are not actually stored in large amounts, but when they're needed, they are synthesized super quickly from cholesterol by a series of different enzymatic reactions that I'm not getting into details with because I feel like we don't have enough time. <laughs> No, I think that's a doctor level thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, knowing, understanding that cholesterol, like that's kind of mind blowing that cholesterol really, um, is needed for steroid hormones, Yeah, which so, makes me think of like all those schnauzers. I know. Right. Anytime I talk about cholesterol, like, I think schnauzers, but right. like cholesterol <laughs> is stored, right? So cholesterol is stored intracellularly within the tissues um, just so they like the cholesterol can have a rapid response to like mm. the steroid hormone ne being needed, but like the yeah. steroid hormones themselves aren't, aren't stored anywhere. Um, that's crazy. So yeah, there's, there's a series of different enzymatic reactions that kind of happen to convert the molecule into an appropriate steroid hormone. And so that's the, the quick and dirty way to explain <laughs> what's happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then that final steroid product is going to be dictated by that like set of enzymes that like happens from the cholesterol. There's many different paths from cholesterol to steroid hormones. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then the last class of hormones is going to be the chemical modification of amino acids. And that's going to mostly fall on tyrosine. And so that's going to include our thyroid hormones and catecholamines, epinephrine, norepinephrine. But mostly when we're going to talk about this type of hormones, we're thinking thyroxine. So our T4 and our T3, and those two hormones are stored in the thyroid as part of a larger molecule. And then like there's a, there's a like thyroidal cell uptake of these hormones and so it then breaks down the larger molecule, getting us T4 and T3. Yeah. So thyroxine and triiodothyronine T4, T3 combine to make thyroglobulin. And then when we need the other stuff, it breaks down the thyroglobulin into T4, T3. So it totally makes sense when you think about it that way. Yeah. When you think about it that way. And so when we get into like beyond the hormones themselves, like where are these all coming <laughs> from, right? Like there's, we talked that there there's glands, right? So let's talk about the glands. The first one that we all think of, I think, hopefully when we think of the endocrine system is going to be the pituitary <laughs> right? gland. I don't know. It's just, it's my go-to. Um, and so the pituitary gland though really is like the main site of like hormone storage, right? Like when we talk about mm. a lot of our endocrine diseases, like it usually involves the pituitary gland. And mm. so um, 
storage, production, and secretion. All three of them. Yeah. Pituitary gland does a lot. And so the pituitary gland sits at the base of the brain and it is divided into two different portions, just like everything else in the body is. So there's going to be the anterior and posterior pituitary uh, sections. And then um, that pituitary gland is then connected to the hypothalamus. And then hypothalamus is also used to stimulate like the signal to say to release certain hormones. Right. Um, And there's, there's several major hormones that that's produced by the pituitary gland. Mm -hmm. So the first one is going to be our thyroid stimulating hormone, which I think throws people off because you think that that would be like thyroid, but like, again, feedback loops, right? So this is the initial switch, right? This is the stimulating hormone lives in the pituitary gland. It stimulates the pituitary gland is like the control center of like, all right, Mm -hmm. cool. (laughs) Let's, let's do this. And so the thyroid stimulating hormone, um, works on the thyroid. I don't know what gave that away, but hopefully you guys got that. (laughs) Um, and so it stimulates the thyroid to secrete those hormones, T3 and T4, which we just talked about. And then it's going to be stimulated by the hypothalamus, right? Which releases our, um, thyrotropin releasing hormone and that stimulates the pituitary gland. So when thyroid levels are normal, right? Like we know that typically there really shouldn't be anything going on. Like they're communicating to each other saying, no, we're good over here. And like the pituitary gland is like, okay, we're good up here too. Um, and so therefore like the thyroid glands in those situations don't receive any TSH, right? It doesn't need to stimulate the thyroid to produce anything. It's normal, should be normal. And then we get into our ACTH, which I love ACTH. I don't know why. I think it's just because, I don't know. I can't quite Because we do out. a lot of stuff with the ACTH in, in internal medicine. Yeah, I guess. I feel like so, that's one of our bread and butter ones. <laughs> yeah, probably. So ACTH is adrenocorticotropic hormone. And so this works, if you guys were at my lecture on Saturday, this works on the <laughs> cortex of the adrenal glands. Um, and so what ACTH does is it stimulates the adrenal glands to release cortisol. I think this one is just like one of the easier feedback loops for me to like remember. I don't Understand. know why. Yeah. I don't know though, because like they're all the same. <laughs> like, I think because we manipulate the feedback loop when we do an ACTH stimulation test, right? I guess that's true. I think because I have like a more hands-on approach to this feedback loop instead of the other ones. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, ACTH is also regulated by the hypothalamus and the feedback loop, right? And so um, there's also corticotropin releasing hormone, which is CRH, and that's also released by the hypothalamus and that will stimulate the pituitary gland to release ACTH. Um, when those cortisol levels drop, then it stimulates the hypothalamus to produce that CRH, which stimulates the pituitary gland to release ACTH, which then stimulates the adrenal glands to release cortisol. (laughs) And then it'll go back and tell it, okay, we're good. (laughs) Like, and then, um, I like, I like antidiuretic hormone as well. Ah, ADH. Again, I think it's because I know that I can manipulate this one as well. Like 
just personally. I mean, some people, yeah, <laughs> like, I was going to say some people every weekend they're, they're manipulating their ADH. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so antidiuretic hormone, uh, stimulates the kidneys, right? So it stimulates the kidney, which if you were at last month's monthly <laughs> CE, we talked about right. it again. <laughs> Talking about it then. Yeah. Um, and I so- mean, honestly, like if you break down the word and just really think about it, it makes sense. It's an anti-diuretic hormone. So we don't want a diuresis. We want to stay nice and hydrated. So ADH, antidiuretic hormone, makes it so the kidney reabsorbs water. So if if we're if ADH isn't working, that's or or the receptor site, because in kidney disease, that's what happens, right? The receptor site for ADH is broken. And so the kidneys just excrete all that water. And yep. so it makes sense when you start like breaking down the words and you start like understanding those feedback loops, like how this stuff works. Yeah. And then the last one for the pituitary gland is going to be somatotropin. <laughs> that like mm-hmm. toe part always gets me. Somatotropin. Because I, I want to call it some, uh, somatropin. Yeah. No, somatotropin. I know, but like, yeah. I don't know why. So anyway, <laughs> Um, somatotropin is a growth hormone. And so obviously you can guess what its job is supposed to do, but right. it's released <laughs> by the anterior pituitary gland. And it does target, um, it targets many different organs, but one of them is really like the, the main ones that we think of is going to be liver and fat tissue. And like I said, it's going to be responsible for just maintaining normal growth function. So again, if you ever get to see like an acromegaly case, that is an endocrine disease. Yep. Yep. I never got to see one. I saw one. It was, it was crazy. It was also a diabetic cat. Go figure. They're very oh. prone to being diabetic, by the way, mm-hmm. in, case, in case you're wondering. All right. So on <sighs> to the thyroid glands. So the thyroid glands are located in the ventral neck, right? And so we know that they're um, on either side of the trachea. If cat, if you've ever felt a hyperthyroid cat, like you've felt the thyroid slip, you know what it is. <laughs> you know where these right. glands are. Um, so these glands consist of thyroid epithelial cells and parafollicular cells. And so what these cells do is that they synthesize the two hormones, the thyroxine, so T4, and triiodothyronine or T3 from dietary iodine. So which we should also recognize that iodine iodine is needed for thyroid issues in general, because one of the main diets out there to help correct (laughs) felines with thyroid disease is an iodine low free iodine free, uh, free or really, really low, which is actually why, um, animals that are not hyperthyroid, um, cannot be on that diet because then they won't get enough iodine in their diet. So they'll become hypothyroid um, and won't be because they won't be able to produce the thyroid hormones. And, so um, that's the big problem with that diet is if you have multiple animals in the house and they share diets, you can't yeah. really do it with that one. I've also like never done like the radioactive iodine. So like, I don't, I couldn't tell you really like the mechanism of that, but I'm like, now it makes ooh, sense. <laughs> ooh, I actually know. I know. <laughs> um, But basically the main role of the thyroid hormone is to increase or decrease the metabolic rate of yep. the body. So it's it's supposed to tell the body how fast to metabolize things 
Um, so yep. obviously in cats, they tend to malfunction and over <laughs> metabolize. They're, that is, yeah, I was gonna say their metabolism rate is huge, which is why they're skinny. They can't gain weight and they're hungry all the time because they're just like, they're blowing through everything that they bring in versus your chunky lab that's hypothyroid, mm-hmm. their metabolism has ground to a halt and they they need some more hormone to make their metabolism <laughs> yeah. kick in. There's also the parathyroid hormone too, um, mm. which uh, the effects of parathyroid hormone also helps to control calcium levels as well. We've talked about parathyroid disease. <laughs> so like yeah. you do want to know like more details, just look for all of these episodes. I'm sure we have them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Unfortunately, we're going back to basics because we never did that, but we've done the other episodes. Yeah. Oh, my love of the adrenal glands. I do like the adrenal glands. Like the adrenal glands mm-hmm. and the pituitary glands, I think are just like some of my favorites. Adrenal is is my first. And on I'm going to say pancreas is my second one, which is kind of weird because it's so crazy. See, that's the thing is like pancreas and I have a lot, like, thanks for the interesting cases, pancreas, but (laughs) like stop being and getting upset at everything. (laughs) Like the pancreas is the Karen. (laughs) It is. It's like everything Uh, makes you mad. (laughs) Like. The pancreas is like, excuse me, can I talk to your manager? Oh my god! Yeah, this is this food is just inappropriate. Exactly, <laughs> like this is uh, oh god, way too it. greasy. Uh, oh my yeah. god, I'm dying. I'm gonna write a horrible Yelp review. You're welcome, guys. Now yeah. you can't unsee that. Nope. I'm glad I could act that out for you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, the adrenal glands are also paired glands um, and they sit close to the kidneys, um, which is why add renal, right? Added to the kidneys. I love this. By the way, that was not us that came up with that. That was Laura. And if you don't know Laura, you should know Laura. Um, shout out to her for having that little cute added to kidneys. That is cute. I did learn that in tech school too. You did? I did. See, I didn't I didn't hear that. That's yeah, that's how I always knew where the adrenal glands were. Adrenal. <laughs> yeah, right Anyway. Um, so they the cortex is responsible for most of the regulation of hormones here. Um, but it's going to be mainly responsible for synthesizing and releasing different steroid, uh different steroids. So when we think about it, we think of cortisol, aldosterone, and androgens. Again, if you were at this past Saturday's webinar, (laughs) we talked about it. Yeah. Well, and this is when we think of like adrenal disease, most of the times we think of cortisol, which is why we do an ACTH. But when we talk about like atypical cushionoid patient or atypical adrenal diseases, it's because it's not the cortisol that's being affected. It's the other hormones. Um, So you might still have adrenal disease, but an ACTH is not going to pick up on it because that is measuring cortisol and not the other hormones. So um, that's when we think of like our atypical kids. Yeah, because atypical Addison's disease in particular, like it, mm. like it, Addison's disease is supposed to affect aldosterone. Like right? that is typical Addison's disease. And with atypical, it's not affecting the aldosterone as much. And so it can get missed. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway. Yay, typical diseases. <laughs> So we know cortisol is a glucocorticoid, right? It's a steroid. It plays a huge role in a lot of parts of the body and like a lot of processes. Mainly when we think about it, we think of its stress response, like it, it responds to stress and it also maintains like just a healthy everything really because (laughs) it's like homeostasis. Cortisol is highly important for the body. And when we think about it too, cortisol when we don't have enough of it, it can affect the GI tract. So it does play a significant Mm -hmm. role there. If we have too much of it, it can affect other areas. If we have um, not enough of it, we can have poor hair coat and stuff like that as well. Uh, If we have too much, we can have hair loss and stuff. Poor hair coat. (laughs) (laughs) Hair coat's affected, guys. (laughs) Lots of things are All sorts of stuff. Versus our aldosterone, which is a mineral uh, corticoid. And so that main function is really fluid function and electrolyte function, right? So again, aldosterone is supposed to um, encourage excretion of potassium and retention of sodium. Again, atypical Addison's, this part really isn't happening. So our Mm. sodium and potassium levels are generally normal in atypical Addison's, even though they shouldn't be. Um, And then there's the adrenal medulla, which is uh, responsible for like the flight or flight hormones, uh, fight or flight hormones. I said those words and they sounded exactly the same Um, (laughs) the first time I said them. It's fine. Fight Uh, or flight, you know. (laughs) And so those hormones that are going to get released when the adrenal medulla is responsible is going to be like our noradrenaline, dopamine, and adrenaline, um, which we think of when we have fight or flight situations. Yeah, exactly. But realistically, all of the above is at work in during stressful situations. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to get into the detail about like the feedback loops for specific diseases, just because like we talk about that in all the disease episodes. Um, But the pancreas is also an organ that plays a huge role in both exocrine and endocrine functions, right? Like Mm -hmm. we know that there's a huge response. Like it does a lot because even um, somatostatin is part of the endocrine system in the pancreas because it inhibits growth hormone. Um, And so that's like responsible for trying to maintain like normal pancreas function as well as also like helping to store glycogen within the liver. Um, So it's really going to be responsible for kind of telling the pancreas like where things need to go. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into the details about like the cells of the pancreas because in each of our like exocrine versus endocrine episodes of the pancreas, we kind of get into those nitty gritty details, but just know that the pancreas is an endocrine function. Um, I like how you were like, I love the thyroid. Oh, the pancreas. (laughs) I said, I I told you guys why. I I know. It's really funny. (laughs) Basically the endocrine function of the pancreas is insulin. (laughs) <laughs> and glucagon and glucagon and just blood sugar regulation <laughs> like seriously yeah. right because we're secreting and absorbing within the capillaries and that's what we need yeah i also don't have a big love for this next part which is the parathyroid gland yeah like i'm not a big fan of them i i think i i'm not a big fan but I have a respect for them because man, if they get angry, 
like because you know we've done like parathyroidectomies on patients and it's like um if you have a mass on it like just the things that it does it's like it makes patients kind of crazy <laughs> um but then it's like post-op then you have to worry about like calcium levels like do we have to supplement it or is the other side like helping yeah so but PTH, I mean, parathyroid, it's, it's cool. So para, they're para, they're next to the thyroids. So they're next to the thyroid glands. There's four of them. It is all, well, it's not all, it's mostly about blood calcium levels in the body. And we want to make sure that that's homeostasis too much calcium. And we get calcification of organs, um, which is bad. We don't want calcification of organs too low and we can start getting seizures think of like a postpartum little small dog she no longer has calcium left to may have the babies or she had babies and you know has got milk and it, she's low on calcium and so she starts tremoring and seizuring and stuff like that so parathyroids are very important for all of that for muscle contractions bone growth all of that um you know so we if the parathyroid um, converts vitamin D, um, to D3. So calcitriol, which is like, I think of D3, like, mm-hmm. um, supplements all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you see that in the, in, I was going to say in the theater, I went in the grocery store. I don't know why I wanted to say theater brains like, let's go. <laughs> but you know, it, the PTH is really important for all that. And then, um, yeah. If, if you don't have enough calcium in your system, it also will go to your bones. So we, that's another reason why, um, as we get older, if we are not absorbing enough calcium, um, we, the body starts taking it from our bones and that's a bad thing too. So just all, you know, all things to think about. Yep. And that's, that's it. That's my basic run through of the endocrine system. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Uh, I would definitely, um, we've got some resources on our website for, uh, for endocrine, obviously Merck manual, I don't Mm -hmm. know, Merck manual for life. I feel like at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Like when in Uh, doubt, check Merck manual. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we, and I very rarely don't use Merck manual, but yeah, this time I did pull from a friend of ours. Um, she had some really good information. So I definitely strongly recommend checking out her website. So it's veterinary internal medicine, nursing.com. She's got a several different blogs, like, like so good. Yeah. This is Laura Jones. Um, she has her VTS and small animal internal medicine. She's been on the podcast with us. Yeah. I was gonna say she's been on the podcast with us. So she's going to lecture. Super smart. conference. Like, oh wait did we oh have we <gasps> i don't think we have jordan. <laughs> jordan let the cat out of the bag we didn't Oops. even talk about that we were well, talking now's about conferences the time. earlier well now if this is an easter egg if, if everybody's listening to the end right so. let's see how long y'all tune in for <laughs> uh so if you're listening to the end of this episode i believe this is the first time we're talking about it on the show which is crazy we've we've hinted to our members about it we are doing our first internal medicine for vet techs conference. It's virtual this time. Um, there's no way we're planning a live event this year. That's not happening. Mm-mm. Um, 
So save the date because we will be having tickets soon. Uh, it is Sunday, November 12th. Uh, and it's going to be an all day event because we've got a full lineup. We've got full, what, eight hours, right? Yep. It's going to be eight hours of race approved CE and it's all going to be online and it's going to be me and Yvonne, as well as a few other guest speakers talking because we figured people probably wouldn't want to listen to just us for eight hours. (laughs) Yeah, and we're uh, we're finalizing all of that because we have to get it race. We we don't have to, but we're going to get it all race approved for everyone, um, because it'll be eight hours of specifically internal medicine uh, focused lectures. There's there's a little bit there's a little bit of um not specifically internal medicine, but internal medicine technicians a hundred percent can use this kind of any of them. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's a little behavior thing. If you, we'll just throw that out there. There's another um, Easter egg for you. <laughs> yeah, like there's two little Easter eggs. Um, but we'll definitely let you guys know soon. Um, because yeah, because we do, we need to let you guys know. Um, but if you want to know about the conference and you aren't already on our email list, definitely join. Go to internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Um, and do the, the join the email list. So that way we can make sure to get your, get it to you as soon as we have more information. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about our conference. It'll be the first one. As long as things go well, we'll, we'll do them again in the future. If you're a member, you definitely will get the member discounted rate. Um, non-members, uh, you can still join. We're happy to have non-members come to, so we'll we'll give you guys more information as we have it. But cat's out of the bag. We're doing a cat's conference. Yep. Yay. All right, guys. Thank you so much cool. for listening and making a commitment to learning. We hope to see you guys at some conferences soon. And we will chat again next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.